Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Oh, it's a little early. Man, it is early. You're you're working these days. Yeah, well, you know, as you know, I had a lot of house guests here for a couple of weeks. I heard about that. And uh, the last, I finally put the last one on a plane this morning. You're kidding? No. So, so I'm just. So I kind of woke up. Uh, I woke up early, just out of a feeling of that that anxiety you have that someone's in my house and they're probably making bacon. Yeah. But well, no one was in my house. Getting, they were gone. getting into your chili. Someone's getting into my chili. Someone's <laughs> messing with my globes or taking pictures of my candlesticks. But putting, putting, putting snuffed out cigarettes in the garbage. Yeah, snuffed out cigarettes in the garbage or eating or eating different kinds of jerky than mm. the canonical jerkies. Mm. You I, know what I mean? I, I do know. I do know exactly what you mean. I don't know. Uh, if memory serves, uh, the friend, I believe the friend you sent out today has literally been there for almost two weeks. He's been there longer than that. Three weeks. And you, he's you the, had a man in your house for three weeks. Oh my God. And it's only because he walks around like a, he walks around like a kitten on Christmas morning mm-hmm. that, uh, that's the only reason I could, I could stand it. He's very quiet. He's extremely polite and he keeps to himself. That's right. You know, one of my house guests was handing out $15 iTunes cards. I already cashed mine in. Now, I, I, I'm have, John, I have mixed feelings on this. We should cut all this out. Should we actually say what we're talking about, or should we just be oblique and annoy people? I don't know. It's nice to have mixed feelings. I love mixed feelings. I mean, sometimes. Um, maybe maybe you should allude, maybe we should allude to, to stuff more. Hmm. Like, I don't know. Uh, it could be interesting to talk about. I mean, Okay, let's talk about it. I agree. So, so fucking Jonathan Colton has, has sat his narrow ass on your couch for, for all, three weeks. He moved, he moved from bed to bed. He moved from bed to couch to bed, and now finally... <sighs> Finally gone. I already regret saying this because because there's I mean now this is P- Pandora's vagina has flung, flung her lobby open. Oh no! And there is so much to talk about now that I have officially officially been to your house. Yeah, I know. But oh, I mean, oh my god! Oh jeez! No, no, no! All good, all good. It's just you know there's that you know. But you were, uh, but you were here in the context of a larger group of people. I was uh, in the context, that, yeah. It was you were you were here both in the context and out of the context, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it's you know it would be it'd be it'd be different if uh, if you were just here like roaming around idly pulling books off the shelves, hmm. you know idly like uh, uh, changing the settings on things. I mean that would be one thing, but it's another <laughs> thing to be here in the in a room full. I did not of... break your ukulele string. It's not my fault. <laughs> ah, it's another thing to be here in a in a group full of uh, of alpha. Alpha males. Okay, so this is going to be the official, the official, I think, D-list starfuckery uh, episode slash, more importantly, discussion, yeah. if we may, if you're comfortable, about exactly what happens in your house. People have heard about it. Um, I'm going to ask them maybe, I don't know if you have a bell or something nearby. You, you should have something that you can hit that's a safe word, a safe bell. Hit a safe bell. Okay, my, mine is red. And you tell me when, when, uh, when we need to cut it off. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, uh, as you say, mm-hmm. we can just cut out all the weird. Can we stuff. just stipulate? I, I will to the now again. I, there's a lot I don't know about how your perimeter is protected, but yeah. I will to the best of my ability reveal nothing about the location. Okay. Good. Or the means by which I was or was not allowed into your home or right. not your don't, home. And and any any uh, any evidence or uh, any uh, any anything that might allow my house to be identified from the air. <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> Okay. All right. I'll do the best I can. Okay. I, here, here's the thing. 
um, there's enough, there's a, uh, something that we've all experienced. My daughter's four and she's already experienced this, which is the whole, like, I had a dream and it was weird because it was our house, but it wasn't our house. Mm-hmm. And I say, shut up. I hate hearing other people's dreams. It's kind of a compulsion of mine. Of course. I yeah. hate it too. I had Stop a professor, I had a professor who found it intolerable. He found it, he, it was like his greatest phobia. He, he, I just, I merely, I merely hate it, but yeah. he could not stand to hear someone else's dream. Wow. Really? I, I'm all, David Dextra, the late David Dextra. I'm behind you, buddy. Yeah. Well, you know what I do is I slowly lower my eyelids like I'm cranking the awning of a French cafe until my <laughs> eyelids are just barely <laughs> open. Just the faintest touch of eye left. This is why you're listening? <laughs> this is why I'm listening to mm. someone talk about their dream. I'm just like, mm. Uh, mm. I get this somnambulant, so, so, yeah. But it's, you know, I mean, there's a basic problem to the dreams. And maybe we should just talk about dreams and avoid all this other bullshit. But his dreams are very interesting, except in as much as they are absolutely not interesting. They're not interesting. It's like describing a poop to somebody. I would rather hear about the poop you took than your dream. Because here's what what what? it's going to sound like. If everybody that talked to me about their dreams was really just describing their last poop, Mm -hmm. I would be actually pretty fascinated. I would be so relieved. That's something I can understand. But here's how it goes. You can go, oh, my God, I just remembered something. Oh. Oh my god, I had a crazy dream last night. Oh, goes, I hate you. I hate you. Please don't say anything. Oh, no, no, let me just... No, listen, I want to make it clear. I, I don't want to hear your dream. It's not just you. I never want to hear anybody fucking tell me their dream. I don't care, and it won't be as cool as you think it is, and then toward the end you'll drift off and say you couldn't really describe it. That's what's yeah. going to happen. That's yeah. how you describe a dream. So, no, 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 let me just say that. It was so funny, because it was like I was in school, but it was a museum, and it was like I was in a boat, but not... <sighs> And I, was, I, I remember that I had arms. Ah! Mm, my eyes are lowering. Ah! And you were there, but it wasn't you. No! Although I will make a caveat, or I will make a, an exception. It's very early. I don't, know how, I don't know how to speak yet. I'm really sorry. It is but, early. Uh, I will make an exception uh, for someone who tweets me about uh, their dream. Oh, see, okay. Well, oh, right. So you were in my dream. Tweet. Let's explain why. Because you got 140 fucking characters. There's no epilogue. There's no prologue. Excuse me. There's no prologue and there's no epilogue. You you merely say, I had a weird dream last night that my pillows turned into John Roderick. Weird. Perfect. Weird. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Great. Yeah, so then it goes okay. on. You amble on through this thing. And already the thing is, I think uh, there's probably a poetic name for this. But, you know, every time we, we remember a memory, we change it a little bit and degrade hmm. it a little bit. Hmm. This is just pure neuroscience. Turns well, out. Degrade it and then amplify the things that we remember incorrectly. Yeah. If you go back, if you ever hear, hear recordings of yourself or, you know, in my case, I go back and I hear myself because I repeat myself a lot. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. But I'll, really? I'll hear myself having told the same story and it's different. Like, I'm always telling the best version I can remember of something that happened to me, and it is different, right? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so when you tell a dream, you're really telling a story of a dream, and the story sucks. And then you go into, so finally, as you're, you're, you're just drifting, and then I remember I woke up a little bit, but um, it was, uh, you know, yeah. it's so hard to describe because it was, it felt, uh... Well, and, and, and that's true. I can't describe my dreams because I stopped remembering my dreams a long time ago. When I was, when I was young, I, I remembered my dreams pretty lucidly. My dreams but were ne- vivid, and I yeah. remembered every. I still remember a dream I had when I was four years old in extraordinary detail. But apart from that, I, I mean, I have like five dreams that I remember ever. Yeah. Now nowadays, I wake up and it's like, oh yeah, right. I was in some some warehouse in a winter landscape, being chased by snipers, and I was riding a motorcycle that I built myself. 
That's a pretty. That's a pretty fucking cool dream. I love it. Now, see, I love a cool dream, or I love a dream with a punchline. I, I, the thing is, if it really is your dream and you're not making it up, it probably yeah. won't have a punchline because it's just yeah. a bunch of bullshit your brain's trying to figure out. It's like the recycling bin of your soul, right? Now, now you 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 began this by trying yeah. to describe the experience of coming to my house, and I'm and I'm guessing it is because you have dreamt about being in my house. For Can I tell you something? I know you hate this. <sighs> It's this, let me, can I tell you this dream? It was so weird. No, here's the thing. I got to your place. We got to your perimeter. I was I instantly identified it for reasons that I, I won't be able to explain. Apart from the GPS, I was also able to see things that you have talked about. You, you flung open the door of your home, and immediately there were – it was as though you were fucking with my head, that you had listened to our program, which I know you don't. It was as though you had listened to our program and deliberately tried to make a house that it looked like John Roderick lived in. <laughs> Because if I may say, not too much detail, but I opened the door and and right in well, front first, of me. First, first if I can, if yeah, I can correct you, you opened the gate to the garden. I wasn't and... going to say, John. <laughs> Plausible deniability. Chuck Colson. Yeah. Ah. Anyway, yes, the gate, the picket. But we opened the picket. Yeah. So and then kind of stood hesitantly on one side, looking down at a variety of ropes and cables that were par- partially buried. <laughs> I uh, admire. I admired your fruit. Um, but yeah. the, 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 seriously, this is where I immediately knew that I had gone down a very, a very special musky rabbit hole was that the door opened and in front of me was what I believe to be possibly a baby grand piano that was entirely covered with brass candles and can, brass candlesticks and entirely underneath it was what I would guess to be two dozen globes <laughs> <laughs> of many varying sizes, all looking very old. And I thought, holy shit. Because like our friend Jason Finn says, the problem with John Roderick is it all sounds so plausible until you hear the point where it's not plausible and it's very difficult to know where the line is. Mm. There's a rack of cowboy boots. Mm. There was literally a rack of cowboy boots. All of your collections are real collections. I saw, if I may say, John, I saw your fucking Braille Playboys. I thought that was made up. Yeah. I, we browsed them. Scott browsed them at length. You, you and Scott Simpson uh, spent spent quite a quite a bit of time reading the you braille should make playboys. people if i could say you should make people wear those white cotton gloves when they handle your braille well you know my feeling about all this stuff here is it's here to be used mm. so for instance the rack of cowboy boots i i i i, I wear every pair even though they are of course a, a collection mm-hmm. and then the globes i consult because the, the globes the globes represent different uh, eras mm-hmm of, of uh, globe making. Are they sort of snapshots of history that you like to contrast? That's exactly right. Mm. You look at you look at a at a globe that you find in a thrift store, and you look at the the nations of Africa and the borders of of uh, you know like uh, East Asia, and all those borders have changed. All those countries are different now. Oceania. Oceania, right. Right. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. I, uh, I don't want to get into this because I'm starting to obsess over it, but I've been thinking a lot about obsessive compulsion hmm. and Howard Hughes. I've been thinking a great deal the last few days about this. Yeah, Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes is looming large in my mind right now, and we probably yeah. just shouldn't get into it. But, but here's something I, I have to know that you know, which is that maps, and I believe with globes, there's always at least one fake thing on it. Really? Do you know about this? No, there's a name for it. Um, it's like a canary trap, but it's with a, a globe it's, or a It's map. a thing. Uh, it's a thing that map makers, globe makers, do as a kind of like that's how we know it's my globe. Bingo. That's what you mean by canary trap. Bingo. Uh-huh. So here's the thing: you get a map. You get the map. It's it's flawless. 
Slaws. Mm-hmm. There's this new map of the United States, or uh, is it the United States? I think it's a map of the United States I really want to get. That's the result of all of these years of research. It's the most optimized version of like everything that could be annoying about a map they've made really great. Mm-hmm. It's I really want it, want it, want it. But the greatest map in the world still has like a fake city on it or mm-hmm. has a fake road. Often it's a fake road. So mm-hmm. they can see... This is like, you ever go to one of those, those annoying fucking lyrics sites on the web? You want to get Ugh. the lyrics to your Rod Stewart song, and you, if you copy some text, it'll also copy some other stuff. They put deliberate errors in there to find out. See, they scraped it from somebody else, but now if somebody scrapes it from, from them, they're all butt hurt. Ditto uh-huh. here. Uh-huh. It's the fucking earth. Okay, we get it. We, all, we know what's there, but you put in a fake road. Right. Now, here's my problem. That road or country or, or city... Is, is very unlikely to be anything that I ever consult, but now I can't stop thinking about it. I have to right. know what is the one fake thing on this globe. You're searching the map for the fake does thing. Does your brain work at all like that? It does, absolutely. Uh, it's an you know, it's an Easter egg. <sighs> I think I found a fake road on a map not very long ago because I was looking at a map of my mom's hometown, and there was a road. It's Ohio? This is in Ohio. There was a road that was named after her maiden name. Which I won't say. No, no. Oh boy, you better not. But let's say her maiden name was. Uh, just give me the last. Just give me the last four digits of her last it was name. Frusian Last four digits of her maiden name. So we're we're driving along. <laughs> or we're looking at this map together of her hometown, and she says, "Look at that. It's it's a Frusian Glacier Road. Hmm. I uh, there's that's there's no road like that in this town. I would know about it." And so we went to all the computer. We went. We said computer. We went to the computers, <laughs> and we were we were zooming in on the town from outer space, and we were looking at it in all these different places and all these different directions. And there's this, and it's it's like it's like a quarter of a mile long. This little thing it connects, uh-huh. connects a nothing to a nothing. Mm-hmm. Very like, very suspicious. Yeah, and she says if that was a thing, if they named a road after my family in that town, I would absolutely know about it. And this road is just sitting out there. It doesn't go for, to anywhere. And I was like, mm-hmm. fake road. Holy shit, John. Look at that link I just sent. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for the name? You know what this is called? You ready? It has a name, this, this phenomenon? Tra- no? Trap Street. Trap Street! Trap Street. A trap street is a fictitious entry in the form of a misrepresented street on a map, often outside the uh, area the map nominally covers for the purposes of quote unquote trapping potential copyright violators. Now, can this be true even on a. Is this something that has been happening for years so that all these old globes I have under the piano? John, my concern is there may be no way to ever find out. Those are the globes. <laughs> Right. right? I mean, it's deliberately, it's deliberately incorrect, and I doubt that there's any kind of documentation, addenda, appendix, or et cetera, right. that would tell us, oh, by the way, here's the trap street we never want you to fucking find. Mm-hmm. Now, this goes, now, there's two streets, two trap well, streets we could go down here. There's a fork in the trap street. First of all, I want to point out on the legal, legal issues section of the trap street page, there's apparently uh, some, uh, it appears that trap streets cannot be copyrighted. So just so oh, you know, really? it appears that under copyright law, you are not allowed to, to copyright the name of a fake street that doesn't exist on a map. Okay. All right. Copyright law for the win. Because then now, now, now you're getting into that thing like those bullshit email signatures where you go, this is to this only recipient. And bleed to, to, to. Right. You know, right. Now, I, I agree to nothing. I agree yeah. to nothing. This is not a tacit contract. Right. Right. And, have- and B, and B, holy shit, how much of the stuff that's out there that we're dealing with or should be dealing with is actually a kind of, if I may say, trap street. John, it seems to me that as someone who's concerned about these issues of intelligence, this is the kind of thing you need to know about, think about, and maybe not even admit to knowing. 
Do you worry about trap streets? Think what trap streets could do. Think about what you could do with trap streets. Well, here's here's the thing, though. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I although I love maps and I consult maps constantly on an on an hourly basis, I very seldom use maps for navigation. Hmm. Because when I'm going from a place to another place, I'll in advance of traveling. I will say, okay, I'm going to this place up here, and I'll look at a map, and I'll get the general idea of the area where the where the place I'm going is. Like I'll locate it in the in the quadrant of the map. But when I leave home, I try to a always take a different route, mm-hmm. and b not ever really exactly know where I'm going, so that when I get into that general oh, area, I even always if they have, could, even if they could read your mind, they still wouldn't know. Exactly. And and not only that, I have the old-fashioned sensation of arriving in a location, a general area, a high street, if you will, the main part of town or the, you know, out by the beach or wherever. Then I'm there and I go, I know it's right around here somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then I go up and down the streets and I go back and forth. And this is, of course, a problem if I have to be there at a certain time. That's not your fault. But you know what? That's not my fault. They should have counted for that. So and then I then I have that 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 ex, the excitement and the satisfaction of discovering the place, mm-hmm. and 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 very often going directly to it because it's the obvious. It's obvious. It's like I'm going to I'm going to a place called the Tower Building, and you get out there, and it's like, huh? Well, there's only one place that that could be. This that that building up there looks like a tower, and none of the other buildings do. So anyway, that is a that is a way in which. So I do not use GPS. Certainly, it's not, it's not just simply. Uh, well, I'll, let's just take it as read. But for you, it's not simply a matter of uh, of uh, cartographical uh, cheating. You, certainly, you want a sharp mind. You're not gonna you're not gonna uh, shave with soap. You're gonna you're gonna have the minimal number of steps exposed to people as part of your process. But then you're learning also. It's your autodidacticism that, that follows your nose. Is that right? Exactly. And and so what is much more likely, and what what happens all the time, is that I discover roads that are not on the map. Rather oh. than thinking that there's a road because there were, because it says so on the map, and then there's no road. Is it, is it? I mean, is it the opposite of a trap street? Well, I'm guessing that I'm guessing if you were making a trap street, you would not make the trap street. You would not locate the trap street on your map in a place where people would say, "Wow, that's a cool shortcut." You know what I mean? Nobody, nobody. What you described it. with made with um, um, Maiden Lane. Uh, was was exactly how it works. I think you'll see a little cul-de-sac that's called like uh, Jokey Court. Mm-hmm. And so Jokey Court, I mean, it doesn't even matter what it is. Probably it should look plausible. But the point is, if they're going to Xerox that or whatever people do today, scan it, Yeah, right? Gonna, it's not going to matter what it's they're called. They're going to fax it to each other. It could be called Fuck You in the Eye Lane. The, the thing is that like it's going to show up on the map and you go, ha-ha, mm-hmm. we, right. we might own the copyright on Fuck You, but probably not. Boy, that yeah. boy, that you know. Hmm. I don't know. I guess I'm just thinking. It's it's. And again, please say as little as you can about this, unless you want to say more. It just strikes me that when you get into the area of intelligence, or or humint, or or or, uh, or animint, or any of the different kinds of intel. Yeah. Right. Humint for for our listeners who yeah. are not uh, versed in the in the uh, clandestine arts is just human intelligence. Mm-hmm. I learned yeah. about that after the 9/11. You'd hear people saying that a lot, and people were confused about what it meant. It's like ordinance. Yeah, human sounds like something that you would put in the bottom of a flower pot in yeah. order to have your petunias grow better. Or a new wave band. Human. 
Ooh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hello. So. Hmm. Hello, idea. Boy, there's a lot. There's a lot. At the, a lot on the table here. We're not even near that uh, ukulele string. But yeah. uh, well, wow. go, you know, but, but press on, press on. Well, okay. I, all I'm all I'm saying is, okay. Here, here. Let me give you a few examples. Uh, for example, uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, uh, Dick Dick Cheney, mm-hmm. who I think might be even more monkey balls than you, Dick mm-hmm. Cheney, I believe, had the Naval Observatory removed from Google Maps. Oh, uh, he he had it uh, he had it pixelated, like smudged. Yeah, he yeah, and yeah. like maybe he had it shifted a couple feet. I don't know, right? Yeah. Now you so remember, like for example, there's there's many issues here. You may remember that when GPS first became a consumer product, there was a built-in fucked upness to it where they made it off. First of all, like even when it got good, it was still you were never allowed to be closer than what like four feet or something. But oh no, it was more than that. It was like ten feet at first because you didn't want to be able to put a bomb uh, right in the Kaiser's pocket. Right, right, or uh, drop drop the bombs between the minarets down on Casbah Lane. Hmm. Is it now Casbah? Is that a, is that a, is that a trap lane? Casbah Way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and in fact, uh, you know, in those early days of uh, of satellite pictures on the internet, I had a lot of there was a lot of um, there was a lot of forest that I was very interested in. What was underneath <laughs> it? And I would go to these places on the globe, and I would zoom in on these dark forests. And uh, they, and they had decided that because these forests were either a just empty forest or b forests concealing special installations mm. that you couldn't zoom in on them. It was just mm-hmm. it was like well, it's just green. green who decides blobs. that? Who 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 decides that? Now again, I'm not going to let Howard Hughes into this, but yeah. I know there are ways that you can send specially coded messages through a variety of people so that there is no backwards contamination of fake hepatitis from a man with cancer. And there's sure. a variety of ways you can make what's called a paddle out of 50 Kleenexes. I know that there are ways that you can handle these things. Right. A, is there a way to ensure that there's the right brush coverage for your installation? And B, who sends, who holds the paddle tissues in their hand to let someone know that that installation needs to be uh, reforested? What's What's Google's motto? Uh, oh, uh, uh, don't be evil. Don't be evil. Mm-hmm. Right. So taken hmm. as read... If you assume that if your motto is "Don't be evil," that Google is never evil, we can only. Assume I mean, who, 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 my motto's got to be true, right? I mean, I couldn't, otherwise it couldn't it's be a motto. motto. It's in the name, motto. Precisely, precisely. Mm-hmm, it's it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's by definition, Google has never been evil, and so they cannot have possibly collaborated right. in in uh, in smudging out their map program with evil forces or people that have secret installations in the forest. Hmm. So it has to be either a just a coincidence. Uh, be an accident. <laughs> Maybe you know there was yeah. a little thumb thumb smudge on the lens. Whoops. Or uh, or the or it's like a Stuxnet thing where the government has. Oh, great! Here we go. Has written a Stuxnet program. Stuxnet program. This is that, the one. This could be the one, John. That blurbs out all their secret forest. Pack a pack a small bag. You got about forty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you think I don't have a small bag packed? <laughs> Uh, Commander Weaver, we, we spotted a white picket and some exposed wires under a fruit tree. Uh, it looks like there's a swimming pool that might have some some debris in it. Over. I've got a uh, I've got a safe room. I've got a I've got a decoy safe room. I, I have a tunnel under the street, and, and, then, see, I have a, and is, I have a tunnel away from the street. Okay, setting aside Howard Hughes, this is why I'm obsessed with this. Uh, it seems very important, John. Having I see having a safe room. Uh, 
Yeah, they're just going to burn it down around you. I was trying to explain the very little bit that I understand about security to people. Um, and what's the, what's that one? What's the term that they use? Um, uh, um, okay, for example, I was trying to explain to my friend how I think about security. And as a demonstration, we were in, a, in like a little green room, conference room thing. I took I took six paper cups. And I put them on a table and I said, which one has the million dollars under it? You have one guess. And he said, I have no idea. So I surreptitiously took one of the cups and drew a giant lock on it and said, this is locked. And then I moved them all around and I said, okay, which one of those has the million dollars under it? <laughs> and, and it, the he one, picked the one with the lock. Oddly enough, he picked the one with the giant fucking lock on it. My concern, somebody goes out and they spend what? Probably uh, $4,000 to $9 million on a safe room. You could probably buy a pretty nice safe room, right? Yeah. But, you I know. Think you, I think a, a safe room is going co- to cost you $50,000 for the base model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's like uh, Rorschach uh, finding the comedian's uh, costume. He's going to go measure the closet. He's going to see, uh, like, Amityville Horror style. Huh, that's kind of weird. There's an extra, like, couple inches here. I wonder what's going on here. You could get a fucking blueprint of any house in America. That's not going to be hard. I think what you need is an, is an obviously overstocked, super obvious, but secret enough safe room. And that, and that becomes, your, that becomes your, trap, your trap room, right? Trap room. Okay. Trap room. They go there and they think... He's got to be in here somewhere. And they spend 15 hours with an arc welder trying to break in through your, your vintage safe door. <laughs> I'm not giving away too much here. No. Vintage can, and, mean, uh, vintage can mean a very long time, John. And, and in fact, your safe room is just, uh, it's just this Ikea bed that had a hinge on it that led to a stairway. Oh, that's good. And that's then you're, good. Nobody's going to look under the Ikea bed. That's not the first place you're going to look. You know, my whole life... This has become kind of a thing now to, to like have a house with, you know, oh, if you're a rich person, your bookcase can turn around. Like, I can't even tell you, John, how much my entire life I have wanted to have tunnels in my house and under my house. I think every single listener of Roderick on that has survived this far yeah. probably has a, a, a desire to have a bookcase that opens to reveal a secret room. Or, or a fake secret room. Ah, no, no, no. I think you're absolutely right. I bet, I bet all of us either on our desk or in our head or in an undisclosed location. I, and I do have the domain name undisclosedlocation.com. I actually brilliant. do. Um, you, you somewhere you you have a jar that if if it is not full of your own urine for sanitary reasons, probably is full of pocket change because you're saving up to fucking retrofit whatever you live in to have tunnels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 having a slide would be nice. Now, the Professor oh, X. That's so nice. This is very important. Professor X's mansion, they have escape tunnels so that if the Sentinels or, or Striker comes, they have a way to get out. I, I don't understand at this point in my life, I don't understand how I'm 45 years old and living in a place with two means of egress, both of which are exposed. Do you know, you know what it's like to have a child and live with that? I would, I would, be, very, I would be very uncomfortable. Yeah. But and you know, my, my yeah. house has many, uh, many ground floor exits. Your house. Hmm. You know, we should, we should be real. We should be real careful about this. But the room that I slept in that last couple nights, yeah. it occurred to me that 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 room is kind of the center of the house, even though it feels like the least important room in the house. There's right. this one room where you can zip through it, and you're almost you're almost anywhere in the house, including upstairs, in a second. Yeah, and you'll notice. You may not notice this. Mm. I sh- probably shouldn't reveal this. We can cut it out. We'll end up. We're going to end up cutting out pretty much everything except Hodgman breaking your ukulele. But that room has uh, has a variety of motion detectors in it. Hmm. Because even though it is the least important room in the house, even though it appears to be the least important room in the house, you would, no matter where you were in the house, you would end up passing through that room. 
triggering the motion detectors. Oh. So when I was positioning <gasps> motion detectors around my house, I, I was noticed like, sure. you, I noticed you had, they were a little bit, uh, what, out of period, anachronistic, the mm. reverse anachronistic. I noticed that you had several very difficult to notice motion detectors. And you can put them in places where it's like, oh, well, here I'm, pr- I'm protecting my, whatever, my boot collection. Mm-hmm. But that's not what you do. Mm-mm. You put motion detectors in places where people think that they will be passing unobserved, or you put them in places where people are like, "Oh, well, I'll just, you know, take a shortcut through here." And it's like, "Uh huh, right, exactly." Isn't this kind of how a panopticon Detected. works? A panopticon, right? Like all, all I need to do, or like for that matter, you know, Big Brother, all I have to do is is make you have a plausible gut feeling that you either are being watched or more likely could be being watched often enough. Right. All, you all I need to point at you is a tinted window. Mm-hmm. Nothing has to be behind it. Mm. As long as there's a tinted window there, the the suspicion that someone is behind it watching you. Mm. Mm. Boy, that's good. And so, hmm. and so that room. I, if that were me, I would fortify that room. It was the Panopticon room. Panopticon. It is because it's kind of at the center too. That's right. Well, in any case, it was it was it was amazing uh, to get to see all of this stuff firsthand to see where you store your chili. Um, it was, it was absolutely the umbrella amazing. stand full of swords. You know, I, I had a brief, uh, was it an epee? What was a foil? Think, what did I have? I, I think you, you had a saber. Yeah. Scott Simpson attacked me with a sword. He did. And he gave you, and he, 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 he actually threw you a sword mm-hmm. and said, defend yourself. And I started crying. <laughs> it was a, it was I don't very, want to hold a sword. It was a very uncomfortable, uh, and very short sword fight. Yeah. Well, he has very thin bones. Yeah. As right. you know, he has you a very small torso. It makes it hard for him to breathe. So you and uh, <clears throat> and um, Scott can we, can Simpson come back later on. Can we come back to Trap Streets? Yes, absolutely. Okay, yeah, I mean, Scott Simpson mm-hmm. and uh, and John Hodgman and Jonathan Colton and Kathleen Edwards and for uh, for a brief period, uh, even Jonathan Colton's deformed henchman Scarface mm-hmm. were all staying in my house at once. It shouldn't have worked. There's no reason in the world it should have worked, but uh, but in fact, it did. You kept finding more places for people to sleep. Mm-hmm. That made me. It kind of made me think. I realized by the time that everybody was there, it was getting to be close quarters. Even though you have two, you know, at least two bathtubs that you'll discuss, mm-hmm. and and numerous numerous, uh, you know, restroom facilities. I kept thinking. I, I keep. It was a little bit like mooks in a phone booth. I kind. I started to wonder how many more D list uh, entertainment celebrities could potentially sleep in this house because I well, bet there's more room if you needed it. The, what what I was considering is uh, there, there's absolutely room for more beds. I just haven't. I don't want my. Uh, I don't want my house to look like a safe house. You know what I mean? Like I don't want. I don't want beds <laughs> you, at all. You're saying somebody comes in with like some kind of uh, extra heat vision goggles. They see 35 beds. They're going to have questions. Yeah, exactly. And I and I want to. They're going to think like, you're the Harriet Tubman of indie rock. I want to feel like it. That's right. I'm not running an underground ra- railroad for people <laughs> whose careers are on the rocks. <laughs> I, I'm. Uh, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm running a house here, and I want it to look like a nice house that a, that a, that a, that a, like a somewhat normal bachelor lives mm-hmm. in by himself or with with uh, various you know operatives. But I don't want I don't want be- I don't want to I don't want it to seem like the like the let's go to the mattresses scene in The Godfather. No, where it's just it's you know 15 <laughs> guys cleaning their shotguns. What I want, <laughs> I can't stop saying that. I know. Um, the- what I want is a guarantee. <laughs> 
No more. I can't um, say what I want without without doing this. No, as we learned during that 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 intense time. Uh, I, I agree with you. And here's the other thing: like, if you're one of those idiots that's trying to fucking grow weed in your house, your electric bill is going to go through the roof, and and the black helicopters are going to be shooting things at your house where you will actually be a big red glowing ball of ultraviolet ultraviolet. Is that right? You know, grow lights. Those, those grow lights throw out a lot of wattage. They do. And if they do. I understand that from a black ops helicopter, you could actually you can actually see with a heat scanner dealy. It's a technical oh, yeah. term. You can actually see who's growing weed. Yeah, they use their heat scanner dealies. Is that true? Um, I mean, as much well, as you can say, I've heard remember, that's true. I've heard DEA guys can do that. They absolutely can. Hmm. Although, although there's some kind of uh, I think I think it's I think it's past the search warrant question of like, hey, we're not we're just running our our uh, infrared. Cameras over the town looking for people who are who haven't insulated their. I don't think that would be admissible in evidence. Uh, like you, I, I am an amateur attorney. I don't think that I'm not, but I'm not an amateur litigator. I do mostly amateur uh, contract work. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but as as I believe the, the thing is now, whatever you can see from outside somebody's house with normal vision and so forth is is fair game. But with uh, <clears throat> with infrared cameras, that would that would be across the line. You think 2012? I mean, that's normal vision. I'm no exactly. Well, especially if you had you a, a, built, a built-to-purpose robot that uh, that you know. What about listening? You know, you can like hear vibrations. You can certainly identify I'm vibrations people. right now. I'm you, you're, you're not alone, my friend. You start you start watching that Howard Hughes movie and start reading that bio. Everything no, no, changes. No, 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 no. I've I've gone down the Howard Hughes uh, rabbit hole myself, and uh, I had to I I I, cl- I climbed back out and uh, and barely made it out. With, 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 with the my clothes were shredded. In the future. Yeah. Uh, but you remember as we were sitting in the garden having mm-hmm. a high-level conference mm-hmm. that there was a, a strange oh, half John. an hour where the skies were full of, full of military helicopters and <sighs> low-flying Navy jets. And- I prayed you weren't going to bring this up because I feel as though I may be, not by your design, I feel I am being deeply drawn into your world because I was a witness to planes that weren't there. <laughs> I was a witness to, by your count, I believe it was, was it four to six unmarked navy planes mm-hmm. they had a, you yeah. said they had a call sign on the tail that might have been made up but they were otherwise unmarked and sometimes you couldn't even see them and they, but you live by the airport if i could say not not super near the airport god damn well it. i do live i live i do live by the airport but okay. yeah, do you know anybody who lives by an airport where there are invisible helicopters I know because people. You, you were witness to invisible helicopters, John. There's no fucking question. I was witness to that. I know people who live near airports. I know people who see invisible things, and I know a lot of people who hear things that may or may not be there. But I was fucking witness in your yard with a cup of coffee, a lot of coffee. I was witness to, with your assistance, numerous, very suspicious, Terran, uh, you know, er- er- Earthling. What appeared to be Earthling uh, aerospace devices that were, were a variety of things were wrong there yeah, was some, they were there, behaving yeah. in a way that was that was inherently suspicious right i understand the doppler effect i understand the doppler effect i know how that works i understand that you see the lightning then hear the thunder i understand that but we had a clear vision of the clear skies and i swear to christ i think there were some decoy noises i think there may have been some stealth copters mm-hmm. i don't have a way of explaining this but but you know here's the thing you expect to see one to nine of those in a year, and I right. think we saw about 16 in a day. Well, as I said to you, and I think I've said before, if you were a UFO, how would you disguise yourself if not as a, a, a regular jet, but just one that has no markings? I've, I've thought about it constantly, and can I just say, you would not write on a paper cup, I'm a fucking UFO. 
No, you wouldn't. And also, I, my, my suspicion is that these aircraft actually have aircraft sound broadcasting technology, mm-hmm. where they are they're they're throwing they're basically throwing their voices, throwing their airplane voices, <clears throat> so that because the thing is that by living by living by the airport, I am witness to dozens of jets a day that behave like normal jets, and they sound like normal jets, and the jet flies, and it sounds like it's the sound is coming from the jet. But then there are these periods, these strange periods, where all of a sudden there are, there are Black Hawk helicopters all around. Mm-hmm. And then there are jets flying, but then there are other, there are the sound of jets coming from all around, and no jets at all. Because I think of your, they're throwing their voices. Well, there's no, John, let, let, let's, 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 let's look at the facts here. Um, could, could you not probably tell, more or less, if somewhere on your block, if someone shot a pistol, you could have a pre, I'm guessing you would have a pretty good idea what caliber of pistol that was. Whenever someone on my block shoots a pistol. Whenever, sorry. And it's, you know, and it's, it's not, not all the time. You have a good day. But regular enough that it, it, Ramadan. Either, either, either it's Ramadan or there's a wedding. Or, uh, or this is the end of a wedding. <laughs> or somebody just got or the end of a wedding, the natural result of a wedding. Or, or uh, somebody just got laid off from their job. Or uh, in the case, the most, recent, uh, the most recent gun that was fired in my neighborhood was that my next door neighbor uh, went into his daughter's room in the middle of the night to find a teenage boy there with her. And the teenage boy jumped out the window onto the mm. roof. And my oh, neighbor. Oh, he was her guest. He was her guest. Okay. My and uh, and the teenage girl was yelling at her dad. Don't no no no. And he ran out into the street. And the teenage boy was running up the street. And he fired uh, a handful of uh, of thirty two rounds into the sky. Is that a Saturday Night Special? That's a well. It's yeah. Basically, it's a police police special. Okay. And so. Uh, you know, this is like four thirty in the morning, which is kind of right in my. That's in my afternoon, <laughs> and so I was able to be at my window <laughs> and know how many shots he had left. <laughs> I, I, was, I was able to be at my window and you know and 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 ready to engage, fully ready to engage whoever it was, and it was my neighbor standing in the street in his underwear shooting his gun in the air, and I went, oh, all right, well, Dad, <laughs> I'm not needed here. Well, clearly uh, but, he's got he's got the uniform. He's uh, he's got it all well in hand. He's got the so, dad. He's got the dad uniform of underwear and a gun. About thirty mm. minutes later, this is now five o'clock in the morning. The street is full of cop cars because somebody called it in, not me. And uh, he's my neighbor's out there still in his underwear, explaining himself to these cops. And it isn't long before they're all laughing and slapping each other on the back, and. Uh, it's a it's a big you know it's a big hoedown out there, and they you know they wag their fingers at him, and uh, <laughs> oh you and he, and he goes back inside and the cops drive off and I'm like hmm, interesting so I don't see him for a couple of days but the next time I run into him I'm like hey what was that all about and he's and he he tells me the story and it all seems it all seems perfectly normal that is a that is an incident that that that's an example of. What I could consider just the normal firearm discharge mm-hmm. that goes along with with the with living in this part of town, but now that the police are testing their automatic weapons down the hill it is it is just it is disturbing my ability to locate and identify 
normal gunfire. Oh, and there. Hmm. Now, now because, for a lot of people in the neighborhood, that might be just unnerving. But for you, that is adding, if I may say, noise as in static. signal to noise. Static, yeah. precisely. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned it the other day on Twitter, like, oh, the police are uh, are testing their... I mean, they, they, didn't used to, they didn't used to fire automatic weapons. They sat down there at their gun range and they went, pap, 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 pap. But now they feel outgunned or something, and they're down there with, with machine guns. And, uh, it, you know, they, obviously it only happens for a little bit, for a little bit, you know, once, once every few days. They, they, they decide to unleash a fusillade. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it really is, you know, usually in, in this neighborhood, when you heard automatic weapons, that's when you knew that the that someone was having a dispute, mm-hmm. that some young people were having a dispute. It might have been about uh, real estate or commerce. Mm-hmm. It would be it would be some it would be a real estate problem, a commerce problem. It might be a, it might be a romantic mm. issue. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously. Young people and machine guns is inherently romantic, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, but anyway, so the so the police are kind of they're gumming up my game, and I believe it's another example <laughs> of this. Like they're throwing sound, they're throwing sound at me in order to confuse and disrupt my my normal perception. Yeah, it's one thing to play uh, Van Halen uh, to Manuel Noriega. Because right. who knows whether he's a fan? I think you would probably be mostly okay with that. If it was hot for teacher, you might want to just dig in, you know, and, and make some more coffee. When they were explaining that they were that they were trying to irritate Manuel Nor- Noriega by playing Van Halen really loud, mm-hmm. I was like, "How?" At that at that was right at the age where you and I bro- both probably were like, "What? Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing!" Right? They actually played in Panama, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a little. Like, that's but, a little. That's a little on the nose. It's a little on the nose, but they were playing it through some army grade. Hi-fi systems. Does the army have special hi-fis? They might. I'm sorry. If you can say, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure that mm-hmm. the arm that the army has hi-fi technology that the rest of us can only dream of. Well, it seems like mm, boy, this is going to get this. They've is been exactly, working on the brown sound for years, weaponizing the brown sound. I spend so much of my day worrying about when the browns. Every time I hear a train coming, I'm thinking that's it. This is the brown sound. <laughs> this is going to be disruptive. Like I need a fucking brown sound in my they life. Would, you know what? They would test it out on San Francisco too. That's the first place they would. Test or maybe it. they would have it shoot out of a non-existent plane that may or may not really be there. Here's my question to you: Were you there? I believe you were there when something either uh, to my friends, my friends find this either supernatural or I find it embarrassing. Were you there when a truck uh, was heard outside your house? And if memory oh. serves, I was able to identify which delivery service it was. Oh, you sound. were brilliant. Yeah. You were brilliant. You identified by the by the sound of the diesel motor and the way the truck drove up the street. I see. Here's this is the beauty of expertise. I can't tell you why the roast beef weighs five pounds. All I know is that the roast beef weighs five pounds, right? But you did. You you you, you <clears> called FedEx. The, FedEx. You, you said FedEx, and we all walked around the side of the house, and sure enough, it was a FedEx truck, and we and, you, and we were like, huh. I'm I'm really good at. But the, but the thing is, uh, listening to that motor to mm-hmm. me as a non-expert, mm-hmm. that could have been a garbage truck. It could have been. Uh, it could have been a well, city. Well, you, you could stuff. certainly be forgiven for sandbagging here, John. But I, 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 I do think you're. I think you're sandbagging. I, 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 well, anyway, let's not get into it. But, but uh, I'm really good at UPS versus uh, postal service. The, mm. uh, the, the uh, United States Postal Service. They have a very, very uh, recognizable sound to them, and I think also. Okay, here you ready for they this? Tune, Here's a they tip. They tune their motors. They maybe, have a certain... maybe. Well, you know, like you go by. We talked about this with Scoots. Like you go and get a Prius now, and it's got a fake car sound on it. Skeuomorphism, right? You try I'm and make. I'm so excited about that. Actually. That's such an interesting idea, John. Everything is related. Are you aware of that? It really that is. everything is related. Yes. 
That's my it's it's on my family crest right after right after a roast beef sandwich. Do you keep that in the real safe room, if you can say? You know what? I'm still, I'm still working on the crest. Okay, here's the thing. I get, I'm sorry to say, so many deliveries of various kinds. Right. Many well, we were discussing this, that you, you, have, you are taking advantage of the new economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> more meaning than a lot meaning of I am ruining the environment. Excuse me. <laughs> so you are someone who would rather have... Uh, you would rather have his toilet paper uh, delivered from and, a warehouse and, and in China paper towels, and, paper, and towels. paper towels flown across the country and hand delivered to your door uh, if it was if, if it's three cents cheaper then uh, then then you would go down to the corner grocery store and carry oh John it. if it were twenty dollars more I'd still do it just because I, I want to offset all of this green <laughs> stuff that's going on right so so yeah. you you literally order your toilet paper from a warehouse in Kentucky. And have it have it delivered hand delivered to you. This is this is the kind of thing that should be in books. What I do should be in books because it is so appalling on so many levels that it's the thing, kind of thing that people will eventually write about. Um, there's a company um, based in Seattle called Amazon that I mm. use. Mm. Amazon.com is their web address on the web. Apparently and they are uh, they are turns they out are taking over the internet according to Wired magazine. Oh, they are. Well, you, we were there when we got a picture taken with the pump chili, and I showed you those lockers. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Same incredible. day, same day delivery. So long, so long, Bob's comics. Um, okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> I hated Bob. Bob anyway. was such a dick. I hated Bob's such camera store. I, ha- I hated Bob's hobby shop. I hate you know every- what? Bob's camera store was actually, they helped me out, but you're right. <sighs> uh, I think you're referring to a prime lens. Uh, my dad's service pistol from World War II. I still have it. And uh, he had never cleaned it, as far as I could tell. Ever is, since this, he- is this the bluing anecdote? Yeah, ever since he moved out of the ever since he moved out of the Navy, ever since he left the Navy. But I took it into this gun shop called Bob's, Bob's Guns. This is, did, did I tell this story already? About well, how lost, they, lost, lost the value because of the blueing in this re-blueing in the 70s? Well, yeah, but what was, what was amazing about it was I walk into this place with a gun kind of in my jacket. <laughs> and, I, and I walk over and, I'm like, and I put it down on the table and I'm like, you know, hey, uh, I don't know how to, I don't know anything about this gun. I don't know how to clean it and I want to know how to clean it. I want to know how to take it apart. And, and they were, they all gathered around and they stripped this gun down to like just the just the, the the nuts and washers, you know. And the guy walks me through the process of 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 cleaning it, of like field stripping it, cleaning it, and putting it back together. And he does it for me like four times, real slow. Like here's how you do it. You, you he didn't have to this. like look it up. He knows that just, somebody comes in with a with a sixty year old forty five, and and he, and he just goes, oh, here's how you do it. Boom, boom, boom. Absolutely, Shit. and every and all the guys buying the counter, and they're all. I have to read. These, I have to read the instructions on how to change my tire every time. These guys look. They're, the thing is, they are exactly the guys that run comic book stores. They're the same guys. <laughs> they're heavy set guys. Vests. There's, there's 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 a vest. Although these vests are like bristling with guns, but they do. They have the same vest. They have the same kind of like they're 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 losing their hair, but they've got some hair, and it's kind of that's like just plastered down with sweat. They have a beard that's trimmed. Kind of, it, they trimmed it, kind of, kind of uh, close. But then some, they haven't shaved in a few days, so the hair is kind of growing back. And and they brought that same expertise to this thing where the and, and the guy, I, I wasn't there to buy anything. I wasn't there. I, 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 there. We had no commercial interaction of any kind. He just spent a half an hour teaching me really slowly. How to field strip and put back together the field strip clean and and reassemble this gun, wow. and it was because he loved it, and I 
was so I, I, I'm still so grateful to that guy. And that was that was a place called Bob's Guns. You know, I, so, I'm sorry, I apologize. That was Bob, that was unkind. The, it's not all whole, Bob's. The whole Bob Enterprise, like I, Bob's cameras, Bob's Bob's comic books. You're right. I don't care about those. Places. Well, it's but, a certain. Uh, it's a certain. There's a. I mean, I don't want to be reductive, as you know. I never want to be reductive. But no, you I, you are not ever reductive. No, no. It, you know, uh, it's there's a certain type. You know, and and I think that one of the extreme examples can be. Uh, I, I, the comic book guy, right? Not simply the one on The Simpsons. And speaking of Simpsons, I did just send you a link. Um, Herman, the guy who runs the gun store on The Simpsons, I think is pretty close to what you're talking about. Esquivalence. Um, Esquivalence. Are you talking about uh, Esquivalence being the willful avoidance of one's official responsibilities? Is that what you're talking about? I'm so excited about Esquivalence. Esquivalence. Isn't that a great word? Esquivalence. Mm-hmm. It's a very great word, but anyway, you were saying about the. Did you read about, about Esquivalence? I'm reading about it, and I died. I'm I'm very excited. I, I I kind of feel like it should be. I kind of feel like that should be an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, no soap radio. That's right. good. Well, they should check. They should also, they should also, also uh, check the door. Um, ten four. <clears throat> so you 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 Wilco Will, Wilco Roger Wilco. <laughs> Now, redundant, now can, redundant. can you explain to me your uh, your uh, your interest in uh, in radio terminology, or is that something? Oh, sure, I can. Sure, I can. I, I, I could also. Oh no, no, no! I don't think so. I could uh, a little bit. I could also discuss my uh, my Amazon workflow. We could talk oh, right. about no, pump no, chili. That was what I, was, I was much more interested no. in, in your Amazon relationship. Well, you know, um, I believe it was on this show that we were discussing um, uh, discussing some of these matters and my interest in um, uh, what is what's it called? Voice procedure. And, and a friend, a friend of the show, I believe it was the show, but a friend uh, sent along a fantastic PDF that uh, I will forward to you in case you missed it, which is this very, very long document of pretty much everything I've ever wanted to know about all of that stuff. A bunch of stuff about how to identify, like when you're making a little map in the sand and you make a square here, and here's what we know about happening. It's all how to do that army stuff. I wish I knew about. Yeah. And I think it might even have what I've been looking for for years. And I, I, there's no way I can show you what I'm doing right now. But imagine I'm squatting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've got uh, camouflage, uh, camo makeup, I believe they got it. And imagine that there's a bunch of guys with me. There's some guys over there and other guys over there. And using my hand signals, pointing at my eyes and sticking up a certain number of fingers, I give directions. Right. I want to know what the fuck that is and how I can do it. Well, you know, I have a copy. Is there a name for that? Is there a special forces handbook here? And I should have made a, I should have made a copy of it for you. Can you even do that? Are those long. pages Xeroxable? Is it in like blue ink or anything? Oh, good. Good point. No, I think they are Xeroxable. Um, that might is, release. That might release. I, you know, again, I apologize for the Howard Hughes concerns. That might, upon uh, upon exposure to bright light, like you would have in a Xerox, upon a midnight clear. Yeah, yeah. While I wandered uh, weak and raveny, it might it might actually release some kind of a subtle gas that would enable Black Ops to, to see that you had tried to Xerox a special ops manual. I don't want to make it weird. Well, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> the special ops manual has a lot of uh, a lot of. Like um, sort of tiger trap instructions. Oh, one, I need that! I need one, that. One thing it doesn't. One thing it doesn't talk about is whether the book itself is a tiger trap. Well, see, this is the thing. I think this is the trap street. U.S. But Army I've, Special I've Forces. I've read every page of it a thousand times. Though, unconventional and warfare manual. This is something I need to read. I should probably also be waterboarded. Not a lot, but like a little bit. You know, I think everybody in America should be waterboarded a little bit just to experience what it, just to experience like what what it is. I mean, what do you think it should cost? What should they pay for that? There would be a lady doing it. I think there should. I think there should be a little Korean lady at the airport, mm. uh, who right next to the massage tables. Where How small? A, like Linda Hunt sized? 
mm, small enough that she needs to stand on a on a overturned milk crate mm. to properly waterboard a big man. <laughs> but it'd be something that as you're as you're coming, you're, you're you're there at the airport. You got 45 minutes before your flight. Oh, it's like one of those uh, creepy massage tables. Yeah, you go get somebody to pour water down your throat while they're holding a cheesecloth over your face. Mm-hmm. Just hmm. so you get a just so you get a sense of like I'd have a real different sense of the the feeling of that. I know no matter what it's going to be horrible and I scream for them to stop, but yeah. I think I, I would scream differently depending on who was doing it. I'm not going to lie to you. Hmm. I bet that's popular in Germany but not with water. You mean like if somebody was waterboarding you but they were also kind of cradling your balls? <laughs> They call it a scheissenborden. Scheissenborden. <laughs> scheissenborden. Wait, no, wait. That would be that would be Swedish, I guess. Anyway, god damn it. This now, is going to be tough. We've got to fork I, this episode, John. There's just too much here. What, one of the questions that I have for you, somebody yeah. who has done multiple, multiple, multiple podcasts, mm-hmm. I feel that we are getting into a place where neither you nor I can fully separate our real-life interactions, our podcast interactions, and our other... Uh, daily conversations so that we are we're having this kind of uh this hesitancy where it's like have we talked about this before i know i've told you about this before but have we now what do we do i personally i personally could care fucking less if we repeat ourselves personally personally all right but but i mean one of my concerns about the time that I, i stole my dad's plane what what Oh, wait, I've never told that story. I've never heard that story. Oh, my gosh. We'll get, we'll get oh, to that. Shit, I'm going to need another stack. Uh, <laughs> coming up my game, delivery truck sound, uh, Amazon workflow. Yeah, now... now <clears throat> workflow, okay. We talked about this at length with Scott Simpson, which is, which is how long can we sustain a universe in which toilet paper... is, is it, In which it is cost-effective to deliver toilet paper and, uh, and paper towels... Yeah. That have been flown to your town from far, far away. I, I, like, I actually have. I know the answer to that. <laughs> Until two to five years ago, <laughs> we're already past it. So here's how this works. I'll make this quick. Uh, first of all, we should mention that, yeah, that uh, but there is. A, we'll put this up. A tremendous photo of uh, taken by uh, I forget. I think it was Scott. Took a wonderful photo of you and I in front of a pump chili slash cheese machine at a 7-Eleven. I think we both look very handsome. That was my local, as they say in the UK. That's, that's your my local. local. Your that's local. my local 7-Eleven. And you say there's, there's, there's frequently some very colorful characters out there. Uh, yeah, well, as we were rounding the corner, I, I, I prepared you guys mm-hmm. for, for like making it through <laughs> for the... Who, phal- for who we might see. <laughs> that's right. The phalanx of junkies. <laughs> you know, that neighborhood <laughs> is one of those neighborhoods that 25 years ago, no one in the city zoning office ha- held any hope out for it at all. They were like, ah, this is this neighborhood's like really close into town and it has a bunch of big Victorian houses. Who's ever going to want to live there? Mm-hmm. So we're, this is the neighborhood that we're going to put all the halfway houses, all the like, uh, you know, group homes and places where people are have, have just been released from jail. But because they're a level three sex offender, we can't really release them into the larger population. So mm-hmm. they have to live together, all low jacked. <laughs> <in a, laughs> In, in like a 17-room Victorian That's mansion. That's one of my favorite guy to buy voices uh, records, Lojacking the Repeat Offender. <laughs> and so that neighborhood, <laughs> as you walk down the street, of course, of course, yeah. in the intervening 20 years, uh, 80% of those large Victorian homes have been completely restored and now have young right. couples living in them. And the, and the sidewalk out front is covered with chalk drawings of princesses and stars. Mm-hmm. Like, there are children... Each one has exactly one fucking obvious safe room. Right. There are there are 
from from house to house you can go tibetan flags next house no tibetan flags mm-hmm. next house tibetan flags and you kind of get a sense of who Rain- like, rainbow rainbow flagging and uh, princess drawing there was the there was the funk band playing across the street as we walked walked up the block they were good like, and they were polite they were nice they were playing at a at a polite volume for a neighborhood and then there's the victorian house which is a sex offender halfway house this is the yeah. one of which you spoke you said, yeah. you said you lived near a place when though in the puffy leather jacket episode or puffy uh, yeah the, when you saw the guy in the puffy jacket you describe if memory serves you have one place that is for uh, dangerous people and another one that's for dangerous crazy people right and okay. they're both they're both on the same block and they're both like that is two convenient blocks from as hell if it's Amazon really- has to bring them toilet paper can you imagine the economies of scale to that. That you know what they don't they they uh they they just have a steady like every day it's just like a, a conveyor belt of toilet paper peanut butter mm-hmm. and uh, things that can be made into shivs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know they're out in this they're out on the street they're mm-hmm. not they are they aren't being held in these structures these structures couldn't hold them anyway they're just I mean they could like punch their way through the walls of these old rickety houses but anyway <laughs> so they they tend to congregate out in front of that Seven Eleven and some of them are swatting at imaginary. <laughs> bees and some of them are trying to secure some methadone mm-hmm. and some of them are uh you know are like standing out there really like smoking really angrily like they're so mad and they're not mad at the cigarette we've got an cigar- angry smoker in our neighborhood you do oh he's super angry and very oh, ritualistic mad 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 and smokes the cigarette all the way down to the butt and then like i'm gonna make a video and, and show this to you but he has uh, you, you, when you were in the, uh, when you were in Civil Air Patrol, what were you in? I was in the Civil Air Patrol. Did you ever have to do any drills with, with rifles? Uh, we did do some rifle drills. There's like a, there's a 16 move, uh, rifle. I forget what it's called, but not a cadence, but there's a 16 move rifle thing that I can still do in my sleep with, with the flips and everything. Boom, and, bam, boom, bada, bam, bam, But it's bam, like a kata, bam. right? It's like a firearms kata. It's like chick, chock, tick, tock, peep, pop, cheap, boot, side, down, Slam, in, and, right? up, and down, and over, and. Imagine, imagine if somebody had a cigarette kata or a cigarette cadence. I don't oh. know what you call it. So imagine this guy who's very tall and very old and he, he, imagine him like starts out with his cigarette at waist level lit. He pops it up at a 45-degree angle, throws it at his face as though he's trying to aim for his mouth, takes an angry puff, pulls it back out and down, and doing that repeatedly every one and a half seconds until the cigarette is gone. And he's just standing there in front of that restaurant by my house. Wow. Like, a, like, a, like a great malignant gargoyle. So you go in, and when you got the Amazon, you got this thing called Amazon Prime, which I have to imagine you're probably a member of. It's a very secret organization, but you go in for 80 bucks a year. Everybody knows this. You get uh, almost everything on Amazon uh, delivered in two days for free or overnight for $3.99. And it's just literally destroying retail America. Right. And, uh, and so what we do is we say, you know what? We want the Costco-sized box of paper towels, and we want that delivered to our home automatically bill us for it every 30 days, send a giant-ass thing of paper towels to our house, which on the face of it almost sounds innocuous until you really think about the fact that somebody took, uh, made some cardboard, uh, wrapped paper around it, yeah. uh, wrapped plastic around s- uh, six of those, right. put six of those in a cardboard box, and then uh, somewhere in Reno, Nevada, that is put on a truck and is driven to my home. So we pay to have paper delivered to our house. It's basically, could we please have a monthly box of things to throw away and just you, just bill me? Do you? Uh, I'm guessing that at the end of every month, you have you, you very seldom make your way all the way through 
that gross of toilet paper or whatever it is. I don't like to lap. No, I feel like it should be a clean, clean start. Yeah. You, you, so, so you don't have a, you, there's not a closet in the house where toilet paper is, is stockpiling and, and pretty soon you have like a year's worth in there. You mean there like, for, like roll, rollover sheets? Yeah. Like the leftover rolls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like rollover you, minutes. Like are, are you, are we're not going to have, will we have extra rolls that would go into our third safe house? Safe right. room? Do you right? have rollover minutes in, in, in your toilet paper? Here's the thing. Once you become a paper towel person, and my sense is that you are, I won't say parsimonious. I would say given the high, extremely high quality of the paper towels that you use, you use those blue ones that are like for an automotive garage. I use, I use automotive garage blue paper towels. Which are, which can be reusable. They us, are, yes. us, it's more like at the grocery store when somebody throws up or a thing of milk breaks and they just grab 50 of those rolls and start sopping stuff up oh i've seen that i love oh. that love that oh, oh, no hurts me. no we've recently moved to one that's half sheets and so i'm looking at one oh, yeah. right now yeah you those do are half handy sheet. yeah yeah no no i contrast this so basically i'm single-handedly ruining the environment i contrast this with my grandfather my uh, my grandfather who was who was probably the cheapest man i ever met in my life he once instructed me on how to wipe um by saying that you never need more than a total of six sheets of single ply toilet paper to take care of your your bottom area yeah so this, is what, this is what I grew up with, John. It was Scott Toilet Paper and directions uh, from a man from South America on how to wipe. Well, you know, in his, probably in his defense, when mm-hmm. he was a kid, he had, he had like a banana leaf that mm-hmm. he carried with him everywhere. Yeah. He was a colonialist, so, so he had really nice banana leaves. Oh, well, he had a rag then. He had a rag that somebody had an English washed, rag. Right. washed out for him. Yeah. They call it uh, Harry, Harry Rag. You've got, they, uh, you got, you got, you got three, three for the first, uh, for the first, uh, first cut and then uh, two for the second cut, you know? Oh my God! If you want to do it till it's bloody, you you better you better get in there fast because that's you get six <laughs> and that's it. He was, ah. he was very upset with how much. And here's the other thing: to, uh, to paper towels. He had this friend. Uh, it was so my, my my grandparents and their best friends had both retired from Cincinnati Gas and Electric at the same time and moved to the same place in Florida, and you know, they continued to be friends for life. John Clump. Do you think they were having key parties? I, I have I've certainly thought about it. I've wondered if my fa- if my grandfather was a war criminal. He was hmm. definitely not a dentist. He he came here to become a dentist, and that never happened. I think it was a, some kind of a, a jam up. I don't know. But John Clump became everything that went wrong in the house. He would explain how John Clump did it better. Now in John Clump's house, you have a one paper towel, one paper t- one paper towel or napkin for lunch. You fold it like a fucking gentleman. You put yeah. it under your placemat because you're seventy and you have a placemat, and you use it again at dinner. That's how my grandfather rolled. Wow. He kept he kept John. He kept a close eye on the paper. Now wait a minute. Give me give me the uh, give me the backstory on why you have any suspicion at all that your grandfather might have been a war criminal. Yeah, he's from South America. He was right? he was one of those guys. Uh, he was was not he the... from South America or did he did yeah. he See, have a stopover the... in South America? <laughs> well, two things. Yes, good question. Well, uh, you know how you have the lost generation. I think he was like with the found generation. He was one of those lucky bastards that was too young for World War One and too old for World War Two. Uh-huh. So, so obviously, I don't think he was rolling Gehring or, or such. He, his family were colonials. They were, they were diamond people, low-level diamond people from London who just happened to be in British Guiana. Wow. Right near Jonestown, turns out. Turns out. Boy, and he could use, he could use the N-word with abandon. He was I, really I, good at it. He was I, really, really good at it. I really want to hear more about him. Uh, well, we could, we could certainly get into that. Yeah. I, all I, I'm saying is if I, can, if I can identify the sound of my paper towels arriving, mm-hmm. right, yeah, in well, that's an exciting way. day. That's like Christmas morning. Oh God! I have the so new much. paper towels are here. The new <laughs> paper towels are here. Uh, one of Howard Hughes had extremely detailed written instructions about. And he called them paddles. You make a you make a, you need a certain number of paddles. Paddles are what you would use to handle things. So if you're going to open a cabinet, that required five Kleenexes. He wrote these out. 
He I, had. I, I posted this on my internet site. He had. I'm, I'm like that in public restrooms. I never oh, touch a brother, thing a paper towel in my hand. He um he had three pages single spaced on how his staff was to open canned fruit. Listen, I don't think it's healthy for you to to start researching Howard Hughes. Way of the future. It's it's too it's too close. Way of the future. Way of, to, way of the future. You have to leave that alone, and and you should you should research you should re- research people that are like. Uh, that are having sex parties and you know and what you know what John you're, you're you know what it is it's too on the nose I think I think so I, I was on a program the other day discussing uh, obsessive compulsive disorder and I didn't even realize how much of a certain kind because you know for example and I'm not, this is not about you except in as much as it's probably about you did you know hoarding hoarding. Which is such an ugly word. It's it's an ableist word. A terrible word. Terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, hoarding is a form of OCD. You know that, right? Well, yeah. When you when you have when you have stacks of uh, like old coupons and like uh, uh, empty cans of of beans lying around, that's hoarding. Yeah. Or, what yeah. I'm doing is what I'm doing is collecting. I think you're uh, you're an archivist. Uh, you're a historian. Yeah. Um, that's the a only thing. Totally the only thing. Uh, if I could get paper towels and toilet paper from Goodwill. Then I could do one-stop oh. shop. <gasps> so it might be distressed, but it's definitely not used. It's probably sealed. But as part of Super Train, mm-hmm. my, the initial concept of Super Train was that you would have in-home recycling. <laughs> so that all your, all your glass and your aluminum Mal, cans... Mal never could have dreamed that it would go this far. It's not, it's, it's not <laughs> backyard... I, you know, no, not iron. backyard steel. <laughs> But it, it, but it is, you know, you'd have a little, you'd have a little, uh, 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 some holes in in the in the countertop, and you would in, you would separate your recycling as you do now, but instead of it being trucked away to some mysterious, you know, uh, third location, in the in the counter of your kitchen, there would be the there would be the grinders and the masticators and, and the slurry, and the, and you would create the slurry right there. And then your your in in counter recycling thing would you know would make new glass bottles. Although of course, you know I don't know why you would want that. But let's say your your in counter then then if when the truck pulled up out front, mm-hmm. you could hand them you could hand them a compacted glass block of your green glass and your white glass, and but you could make your own paper. Um. You could uh, you could extract all the precious metals so that at the end of the month you had a little vial of gold and a oh, little they, vial they, of oh they they would collect like the fat off of a George Foreman grill exactly you'd get you know there, that little trace amount of silver the little trace amount you have a little tin a tin cup you'd have that's exactly right uh, so and, the, and, and could you I mean I still don't understand quite all the details for Super Train which is probably going to be better for me but is there is there any extrusion involved we love the idea of a super tight little cube it's like a garbage compactor except it's Heineken bottles or what have you but it, could there be some basic extrusion where you could slurry your your plastics into like an as needed plastic with, without off-gassing or outgassing yeah i think i think i think absolutely although what what you would end up with what you would end up with is a little pile of carbon and some very highly refined oil, and you could sell the oil in the open market, and then we would then you, you sequester the carbon, uh, and everybody everybody would you know potentially have a little neighborhood carbon sink where you would you know you'd take your you'd take your carbon and 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 all throw it down one hole and then uh, then make diamonds. <laughs> We'd, you know, yeah. compress compress the carbon until until it was uh, until it turned to dust. At every step of the way, pressure of of some sort is going to be important in in, uh, in Super Train. It's really going to be about different kinds of pressure, physical, 
emotional, but, but in the right place at the right time. And eventually you're getting some kind of a fucking diamond. It, it ends up being a still. It ends up mm. that every house has a little still mm-hmm. and you throw everything into it. And you're the, the revenuer. The, the still cooks it down. And at the end, you have some magnesium and you have some, you know, some, uh, you have a little bit of, you know, trace platinum and palladium. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you collect those things until you have enough of that, of that to sell on the open market. Then you have oil and carbon and, um, and you know, hopefully fresh rolls of toilet paper. Well, for, for reasons that will be obvious soon, and uh, I, I, will, I will literally probably just delete my entire computer having said this, is it fair to say that the slurry and extrusion process and the production of oil inside of the uh, consumer's home, is it fair to say that that's a little bit of a trap street? Like, that's how it'll go at first, and you'll go, holy shit, I've got some oil for the open market. It just seems to me that in time... That's something Supertrain's going to want slash need. I see what you mean. I, oh, are you? Are you? Cause, okay, here's the thing. You're a man who is self-sustaining, right? You, well, you, you, you I wish. So? I wish. I, I wish I were more self-sustaining. Don't you think you're moving closer rather than further? I hope so. I hope so. Nothing hermetic per se. It's my goal. Would you like people to be self-sustaining, or would you like them to to, to, to literally become like pod people that you could extrude resources from? Well, you, see, now you remember the uh, the the R crumb. Uh, a comic strip where he it draws the progression. You have that time. on your wall. I read that I, on your I, wall. I have a version of it that was done by Tony Millionaire, uh, but the original R. Crumb, you know, he starts with a pastoral scene, and then they chop down the forest, they build the railroads, and then it's a town, and then it's a then it's a city, and then it's a then in his estimation, it was this gross. The last panel was this gross sort of seventies reality. We hear was where he <laughs> he clearly his editorial voice was like, "This is what it's come to." But but in the original panel, he did he did a couple of extra panels where he was like where he where he he thought about the future, and and one of his one of his future scapes was this classic seventies utopia where people were living in tree houses like the Swiss Family Robinson, and they were recycling and they were and 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 and, th- and that is a version that's one version that uh, that I know leftists carry around in their mind. Which is that we're all going to have solar panels on the on the roofs of our houses, and we're going to be selling electricity back to the grid. We're not only going to we're not only going to be self sufficient, but we're going to be selling it back to the grid. As far as Supertrain's interest in this, it really I think it depends on who after I'm gone, who the next CEO. Don't talk of like that. Is. Don't talk like that. It happens. It happens. Well. We, we all pass to the great beyond. Mm. And Supertrain, I think, while while you know while I am the. Um, well, I am the font of Supertrain. I think we can trust that Supertrain wants everyone to become more self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. But just as Supertrain arri- reaches its kind of full potential... It's, de- right it's destination, at- if you like. That'll be right... Well, you know, there is Supertrain has no one destination. But it'll be just about the time that I am ready to... I'm ready to, to move on to a more pastoral life. Mm. And who takes over Supertrain after me? The young people... Mm. If they can, I mean, Supertrain could go either way, and it, it could be it could be that Supertrain needs needs all that oil. It means all, it depends on what kind of carbon. green we're looking for, if I may say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look, if you want the kind of green that CFL light bulbs, Supertrain could, could 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 go on this track. Right. If we want the kind of green that comes from literally stealing refined oil uh, from from uh, um, an African American family's home, that's a different kind of green. That's a different green, conceivably. You know, there's, and that's, that's part of, that's, that is the case of the liberal imagination, right? There are the people that want the green that is represented by the Prius, 
mm-hmm. which is a kind of green that required that your old car was the the old car was destroyed and this new car was manufactured and shipped to you from overseas in order that you save some like uh, almost unmeasurably small and amount a giant of chinese boat run by cheap oil so that you could get it here and then <laughs> right. put gas in it right you're perfectly to fine to save the environment you're perfectly fine 15 year old honda civic that you could have repaired and driven for another 25 years you have now you've had crushed and recycled and you've bought a brand new thing that that was shipped here in a coal burning uh <laughs> super tanker Hey, could you uh, but, guys toss some paper towels in that as long as you're coming over? Where, where you know, like the whole bilge of the thing is full of Malacan pirates, <laughs> like cranking on, on big sweat wheels. And it's like, oh, it's green. This is green. Like it happens all the time in my neighborhood where they're like, oh, this house that's 120 years old that is built with completely perfect old growth fur. We're going to rip this down and we're going to we're going to staple together this. This, you know, this thing made out of uh, formaldehyde and like off-gassing particle board, and we're gonna we're gonna post a sign out front that says green construction, and people, and we're gonna charge nine hundred thousand dollars a piece for these for these condos, uh, and that in, in in people's imagination is some kind of net improvement because the new place has a, a more efficient air conditioning system, and it's like uh, the, uh, whatever kind of green that is. Super train is going to eat that. Is going to eat that green. It's going to graze. Super train is going to turn all of those places back into their component. Superfine oil, <laughs> carbon, carbon slash diamonds, uh, and then all the uh, base, all the, base metals, all the base metals, and um, there's not going to be any waste. <laughs> A little bit of soil and green. My my my. My people use every part of the population. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. The liberals that want to live in a treehouse, God bless you. I think we have all of us, all of us, are these are intelligent people like us at one time or another have all been liber- liberals and have all wanted to live in a treehouse. I just would like to treehouse point out. Treehouse where the bookcases, uh, are, you know. Absolutely. Swing oh. and, and a reveal secret passages. Oh, growth, you know, and and but 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 the thing that's, that's interesting to me, uh, I'm not a historian, but it does strike me that a lot of these visions are really they're about two blocks away from uh, living on a collective in the Soviet Union, mm. and mm. that is so not it's it's not a kibbutz, it's well, not going to be Chuck fun. No, that's some Chuck Norris talk right there. You think so? Well, am I doing I that? I don't know. I'm just saying. I mean, the thing is, what starts out as let's make potlucks together. You know, uh, pr- pretty soon you're out there. You're working on a tractor, whether you like well, it or it all, not. It all depends on who's in charge, and that's the that's the problem. Exactly people are right. people are so excited to cede the responsibility uh, for so many things to somebody else. You know, it's somebody else's problem. Somebody comes along with a train that's not the super train; it's the unsuper train, and they go, "Oh, look, I'm an engineer, and I'm green." They're going right. to hook their fucking cars to that and just and 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 close their eyes and think of England. That's you know, right. and be and be led right down that. That uh, that primrose path. Mm. Mm. Uh, you need to be able to identify super train from imposter trains. Oh, from and, the false from the false super train. Well, and and I think I think we're developing we're developing a mechanism by which people will know the real super train. When you feel pain, but you're grateful for it, that's how you know super train's working. Here, here. <laughs> you know, speaking of which, mm-hmm. I was thinking about uh, means of egress from your house. Yeah. Have you considered a zip line? <laughs> 
from your from your living room down to the oof a i had not and b my daughter my daughter loves zip lines i think i think i could sell a zip line from that from that from your top story down Mm -hmm. to i mean the zip line could go conceivably all the way to the ocean. i'm already seeing it i'm already seeing it i mean i don't i don't want to reveal too much right uh ever since we moved to san mateo we definitely yeah. don't live in San Francisco, where we keep talking about. But, oh. uh, you know, in, in uh, San Francisco, you live in a house like ours. You say you live on the second floor. You really live on the third floor, right? The first floor. You're way up there. You get the pancaking, right? Because uh, during the earthquake, it goes straight down because you got a garage on the bottom. Unless oh, it's been yeah. heavily. you got to watch that. So we're technically on the third floor. A lot of walking. But here's the thing. We also have the park. We've got telephone poles. We've got some, uh, you know, red tail hawks in the park that like to sit on the telephone pole. I'm just saying, if I understand what you're saying, we c- maybe we could disguise this as like uh, like a Comcast thing but there, there could was, be an it, innocuous looking uh cable not a, not really a rope even a cable that would attach in such a way that we could slide down on a zip line from the uh from the top floor the problem is that the city inspectors are going to see that eventually mm-hmm. and they're going to say what what the hell is that what you need mm. is a harpoon point. gun huh if you had a harpoon gun that was attached to some cable like a, a big reel of cable they're not, if I, they see a harpoon gun coming out of our window, they're not going to know what that is. No, nobody. They're going to think you're a collector. They're going to think you're some weird, some weird San Francisco person oh, or look San at Mateo. Uh, person. He's got, he's got, he's got ladies' shoes and chairs coming out of the side of his house. Wow, yeah, and, what and, a and, nut! And a big uh, harpoon gun in the on the top floor. And you're like, that's right. I'm just a collector of nautical memorabilia. Or maybe and I'm protesting shoes. whaling. That's right. It's exactly I right. I put it, wait a minute, back it I up. Decommissioned, I, I decommissioned this as an act of, of resistance. I may have a harpoon gun on close inspection, but it appears to be a flag, a Tibetan flagpole. Mm. If I put a Tibetan flag on a fucking harpoon outside my window, you know what I'm going to get? I'm going to get the thanks of a That's nation right. under, under a dictator's thumb. Every time that flag waves, it sends mm-hmm. a prayer. It says, hello, freedom. And then, when you need it, oh, boom! Boom! I I I I, I instruct my daughter on the safety of, of of harpoon usage. She knows the hand signals, and after I've read this manual, I'm going to know how to like point at my eyes, make a harpoon face, hold up three fingers, and she'll you're say, "Welcome." Crouched in the living room, both of you mm-hmm. painted in camouflage, and you're like, "It's time to initiate harpoon sequence one." But you're saying all this. No, with, with my hands, hands with my hands and my eyes and my my, my camo. And draw a little square on the carpet. Oh, she fires the harpoon gun, and then you zip line down the cable. And who cares what happens? I zip line my family to freedom. You know, and and you know when you first start started talking about wanting to go to was it Tierra del Fuego in a broken car with your daughter? Hmm. I wasn't I wasn't totally on board because I you right? know well I wasn't un, not, I wasn't un not un on board. Yeah. But now I understand it. Now my my kid's a tiger. I mean I I could really I could see fucking some shit up with her. Absolutely, we, we might want to start some kind of uh, superhero team. The four of us. I'm just saying. It's like that scene at the end of Terminator. Oh right, where she's getting gas. At a, she's getting gas at a at a gas station somewhere in the in like Baja California, and she sees the storm clouds on the horizon, and some little kid takes a a, a picture of her looking wistfully. That becomes the, it is the, uh, it's becomes the plot element for the whole series of films. Mm-hmm. But you know she's headed da- she's escaping. She's headed south, mm. and we we need to be prepared. And the thing is, you need to be prepared to do that in a motor vehicle that does not have a complicated computer-driven ignition system. No, 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 no. You're, n- you're not going to have computer tools on the road. No, no, no. You need a vintage Jeep mm-hmm. 
a vintage Jeep with a with a really rough suspension. And would we teach our daughters how to field strip that? Absolutely. The thing is, you and I are not going to be any use at all in terms of fixing this Jeep. No, we, may, we, could, we, we may be arthritic, but we'll also be functioning at a higher level from a strategic standpoint. We don't have time to field strip a Jeep. Exactly. We're going to be, we're going to be scanning the horizon <laughs> uh, with binoculars, but we, hmm. have the, we have the young ladies. We, we, we raise them not only speaking a variety of languages, but also speaking the mechanical language of Jeep repair. <laughs> and we say, you know, keep this Jeep running, gals. Keep these machine guns stripped and oiled. We, but we do this with hand signals in our face. That's right. Hmm. Now, Cormac McCarthy's The Road, has that ever been made into a film? Well, I, actually, I don't care, because there's a new version of that. It's going to be based on the Bob Hope and uh, Bing Crosby movies. It's The Road to Tierra del Fuego. <laughs> it's a post-apocalyptic trip with singing, and it's the four of us. Maybe Dorothy L'Amour could be in it, but uh-huh. I think it's you, me, and our daughters in a fucking Jeep making hand signals uh, after the right. apocalypse. Right. Because, you know, I mean, let's be honest. There's, it's, it's not a question of if, right? right? It's a question of are you ready for when? Are you ready? You're going to be searching my fourth safe room, and I'm already going to be on the way to South America. Now, when, Ca- when Canadian songwriter and, uh, and songstress uh, Kathleen Edwards was here in Seattle, uh, one of the first things she said as we were driving around, she said, you know, it, it, seems, it seems perfect here. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's almost paradise. What is the downside? Tell me the, tell me the real story. What's the downside? And I said, downside? Honestly, volcanoes and earthquakes. <laughs> Like, you live in Toronto, you don't have any volcanoes, and you don't have any earthquakes. But here in the West, the great, you know, the, uh, if, if you'll forgive me, the 800-pound hippopotamus in the room is that we're all living in the shadow of a, of a very, very active, and in geological time, like, super young, active volcanic range. And uh, we're right on the water where the earthquakes create tsunamis. It's basically a it's basically a volcano, earthquake, tsunami uh, convection. I think zone. I think you put the fear in that gal, uh, and I know you put the fear in me. I have not given a thought. Forgive me for saying, except for maybe making a plaster of Paris volcano uh, when I was in college. I, I I haven't thought about volcanoes since Mount St. Helens. I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention. And then you described something to me that I found chilling. Uh, uh, I, and my, my, my penis seized up into my body because you described a volcano situation that I found completely chilling and implausible. But the more you described it, the more I realized that, that we might be getting near some kind of a Cormac McCarthy situation. Would you mind sharing with our listeners the, the, the volcano in a mountain scenario? So you're talking about you're talking about the, uh, the I'm talking about I'm talking about, oh, you didn't really know about the secret <laughs> volcano that isn't really supposed to be there with the with the with the uh, with the zit like bol- bolus coming yeah. out. Because well, that was I mean, fucking chilling. All these mountains here in the West that run from Vancouver all the way down to Mount Shasta and beyond, they're all, they are all super-duper active volcanoes. There's no... I mean, right now they all appear to be fairly dormant, but they're sitting as the, as the Pacific plate subduces beneath the the American continental plate, they go down there and they, it turns into lava right under those mountains. And those mountains are just, they're just boiling underneath and they seem peaceful and birds are flying around them and they have lots of glaciers on them and they're, they're national parks and people ski on them. But really without very much warning, there will be some warning, but without very much warning, (laughs) Without, without much extremely useful warning. 
you're not going to get a, by the way, you know, 30 days from now, some shit might go down. Well, you know, one never knows. They could, there could be lots of, but I mean, we're, we're all overdue for the super earthquake and the super earthquake is not, is, you know, tied to all this volcanism. And it, it is conceivable that the super earthquake will ignite a new round of volcanic, uh, activity in some of these massive mountains that are hovering just over the, you know, just outside of the city limits. Certainly here in Seattle, Mount Rainier, the largest mountain in North America, could uh, could erupt. And at which point, those 10,000-year-old glaciers on its surface will will um, instantly liquefy into a superheated 200-foot-tall uh, like lahar of boiling mud and ash and but th- didn't you describe something that was a cross between a zit and uh, a, a portal from asgard uh co- combined with a conflagration <laughs> where there could be some kind of a, a herniated mountain that mm. that uh, uh that a volcano kind of finds its way out of and then explodes like a like a nail bomb weren't you describing something where like it gets it's i, I want to imagine it's like you slice the top off a mountain and go uh-oh there's a volcano in here. We weren't ready for this. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you're doing a good job of describing it. There's a volcano in every single one of those mountains. Oh, Jesus, John. <laughs> every single one. What do you, what, just, what's it going to cost for us to get a Jeep? Should we get a couple or three Jeeps and just kind of have them ready? What we, should be, what we should be ready for is to commandeer a Jeep. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <gasps> and this is, yes. you know, this is the thing where I... Where, uh, this where, is what Ted Bundy or Proteus would do. You don't want to have the same vehicle. You change your shirt. You put shoe polish in your hair. And there's still three Jeeps behind, right? That's right. That's exactly that's right. So, so in that sense, I mean, knowing you uh, and, uh, and knowing me, I think my skill set is going to handle the commandeering of Jeeps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and I, I'm going to train my daughter to, to have that same skill set. Mm-hmm. So that the two of us can work in concert to be to be trading up, trading jeeps. We can always we work south. in lightweight teams in pairs, where right. where we've learned the right hand signals and camouflage makeup to be able to, you know, if you like using our scopes, we'd be able to communicate at a distance. Yeah. We could even have a staggering of jeeps. I think that's what's called like a murder of crows. We could have a staggering of jeeps and decoy jeeps along the way, so that we might have one. You might jump in a hoopty that takes you somewhere. We split up. Maybe for the sake of argument, there are five or six other groups of people who look exactly like us. You know, like the gangs. There's a reason the gangs wear the white T-shirts and the hoodies, you know? I think we'll be in a situation somewhere in Central America where we Mm -hmm. station you sitting, looking at a map, which may or may not have... Trap streets. Trap streets. And you'll be sitting on a, a, you know, four or five crates of paper towels and toilet paper. Will I be smoking? You could... Potentially, you could be smoking a Cuban cigar, let's say. And, uh... Down the road comes a military convoy, and they see you there, and you and you get up, kind of hopefully, like waving your hands, "Hello, hello, help!" I, you know, I have all this toilet paper and paper towels, but no vehicle. And the and they're going to be like lulled into a lulled in not not into a false sense of security, but they're going to be so mesmerized by all this toilet paper that they don't have access to mm-hmm. and paper towels. Certainly not in two days. In the jungle, that is going to look like a like a crate. Of of diamonds to these mm-hmm. guys, you know, they're going to be like we we hit the we hit the hit the money here. We hit it's the like num- cigarettes for rimming. Exactly, it's like look at all that fucking toilet paper. Mm-hmm. 
And then while you are, while you're holding up your map, pointing at the trap street going, where is this place? Then I and my daughter. <laughs> zip, zip, zip. Zip line. We come in on a zip line, throwing knives, throwing, throwing stars. Mm-hmm. Shuriken. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, then we have a then we have a new convoy, a new convoy full of uh, whatever it is that they have. Boy, in I think I think decoys. Marijuana. I think decoys are powerful. You know, how, Howard uh, Howard Hughes did a lot of this with decoys uh, in a lawsuit. His own airline sued him. TWA sued him, and they couldn't serve the subpoena. They could not get to him, no matter what, because he, he hired he hired other guys with really long fingernails and long hair. <laughs> well, there were lots of instances where he did have like those those decoy uh the decoy cars and stuff like that. I think that works better than most people think. Yeah. Also, I must say, if you have sealed yourself up in a room with Kleenex boxes and and bottles for your own urine and you re- just simply refuse to open the door, when your lawyer has of uh, 5 years has never met you, it's I think you're strategy. moving you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? A, Even though, let's be honest, he is living underneath the paper cup with like 50 fucking drawings of locks exactly the same size on them. You I know? feel like people in, in my town now, here in Seattle, they do not know, they, they realize that I have a lot of different cars. They're not sure what car I'm going to be driving at any given moment. And, and a scooter. And, I, and a scooter. And, they, and they're also aware that I changed the, my hair and, and uh, facial hair configurations you know, fairly regularly. And I, I think what I'm trying to craft here in, in Seattle, at least, is the sense that any car could be being driven by me. And, uh, and so <laughs> it might, it might have, it might have a, a, an Irish uh, singing superstar in it. <laughs> it even if you're, you can tell the Elvis Costello story someday, but you could, you're driving all kinds of things or you're not driving lots of things. We don't know. That could be John Roderick for all we know. That's right. It could, you see, you pass a minivan full of nuns, could be John Roderick driving. And so <laughs> you have to, you have to be, when, when, when a Seattleite gets in their car and starts driving around the streets, they have to be vigilant. They have to be aware that I could be in any vehicle at any time and they could be in my way. I could be headed to a location somewhere where I have not really read the map and I'm on my way to a, you know, to an important meeting that I'm already 15 minutes late, but I, but I purposely didn't actually figure out what the address was. Not your fault. And, uh, and they need to keep moving and get out of my way. And so I I think, I think there's this, there, there is a, there's a considerable portion of the population here in Seattle that is beginning, that that is beginning to dawn on They're they're. They're figuring this out. That's the extremely thin end of a very fucking wide wedge, right? So what you've done now is you have introduced – you know what you're doing? You're, you've got them thinking, right? right. People, people don't like to think, John, as you know. They don't just get in their cars, turn on the radio, and drive absentmindedly to work anymore. They are That's thinking, right. is John Roderick in a car? They're not going to put on glass houses and start juking around. They're going to be thinking twice about whether John would even want me to be listening to glass houses, and you know what? I already know the answer. And some of them are starting, when they leave the house, they bring their infrared glasses. Mm-hmm. They bring a week's supply of, of food. They always, have a, they always have a bag packed, an egress bag. Maybe, maybe a jar of slurry. They're getting, they're getting into those cars prepared for any eventuality, and that is ultimately Supertrain's goal. Short-term goal. Short-term goal. Mm-hmm. Not long-term goal. Short-term goal. Right. Yeah. I mean, you certainly have hopes for the legacy, but you're saying, like, like anyone, even like the late great uh, Howard Hughes, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be there forever. You're not gonna be, you're not gonna be in the desert in, right. with literally audibly clacking toenails. For, and people forever. come up to me. They come up to me at, at at shows. They come up to me at public events, and they say, very confidentially, you know, they lean in and say, 
How do I make sure that I'm on super train? How do I, make, how do I guarantee myself a berth on super train? And my answer is usually you are already doing a good job. Is it, is it, is it the, 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 the cognizance or, or the being deferential, being respectful? What, what is it that, that has them a theoretical seat on a theoretical non-existent evil train? All these things, <sighs> all, all these things and more. If someone, if someone swaggers up to me and says, ha, 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 ha. I'm ready for super train. You know, my suspicion is, or are you tempted uh, to punch him in the nose a little bit? No, I, I give him, I give him that look, which is mm-hmm. you're not ready for super train. <laughs> Thinking you are ready for super train is in, is to be not ready for super train. Mm. Oh, you're saying like that, 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 that actually more than an acceptance, really seeking out a certain kind of imbalance and, and, and distrust of oneself. You're saying that's the beginning of understanding what your place in super train will be. Yeah. You don't, well, you don't walk out of the house saying, I have everything I need. You walk out of the house saying, what do I not have? That I hope I to Christ need? I have everything I'll That's need. right. I hope to Christ I have everything I need. That's the best you can do. <laughs> that is the best you can do. <laughs> that is going to be the worst propaganda poster I've ever seen. It's going to be you <laughs> sitting proudly on the prow of a giant menacing train and a child saying, I hope to Christ I have everything I'll need. <laughs> I hope to Christ I brought everything I need. Is this enough toilet paper? <laughs> Uh, slurry. Ow. I got to pee. I don't know if we got a stopping point there, but that was pretty fucking funny. Gov- gumming up my game, special ops. You know, we can't always give them. We can't always give them a bell. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it just has to stop. <laughs> bell. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs>